Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. Now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so very much for stopping by, hanging out here, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. One of those ways to fill your life with travel is, of course, Getting a job that requires you to travel or allows you to travel or allows you to roam freely and still earn an income, get a paycheck, pay your bills, whatever your responsibilities are, and still have a travel experience, maybe even getting a free place to stay. There are all sorts of ways to do it. And in today's show, we're going to talk about one of those ways so you have yet another option to consider or to recommend to friends or family who also want to build their life around travel. It's good to know these things as we continue to celebrate Travel Jobs Month. I thought this was the perfect addition to this. And how this happened was through an email because I got an email that said, Hey, Jason, longtime podcast listener, first time writer. Is that still what people say? Besides this travel inspiration, it brings me my favorite thing about your podcast has got to be your insights on life as an American in Norway because that's what I am too. She goes on to share a little bit of her story talks about, hey, maybe meeting up sometime. And I always say on the show, if you ever come through Oslo where I'm based, I'm here most of the time. Let me know if I can meet up. I will. And my guest today had some experience that I thought could be helpful to people out there. And so we did meet up and did an interview with her. And that's how this happened. And I love doing in-person interviews and getting to meet people who listen to the show in person. We're going to get into this interview. On the other side, I am going to give a shout out to one of you fine, lovely souls out there in the Zero to Travel Caravan, the listening community, as well as share one strategy I think you should consider if you're looking into getting a travel job and want to do it quickly. I'll share my top strategy for that. Please enjoy the interview and I will see you on the other side, my friend. I'm sitting here with a fellow American in Norway. Yep. We have 
coffee in front of us. We're at the Peloton Coffee Shop in Oslo, Norway. And I want to welcome Carolyn to the show. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's very <laughs> exciting to be here. I am glad that uh, that you made time to meet me in the city because um, it's travel jobs month, or that's the theme anyway. But uh, no, it was funny when you wrote me an email. I think you said... Um, what did you say? Long time listener, first time writer. First time writer, yeah. Was like, you're like, do people still say that? I'm like, I don't know if they still say that, but no. I like it. Anyway, Probably um, not. you know, I often say on the podcast that, hey, if anybody's ever coming through Oslo or whatever, like, let's meet up. And here we are. And you're actually living here. You've been living here for the past couple of years. Where are you from originally? That's what I want to know. I am from Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. So very far away. Yeah. I've been through there multiple times. Have you? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I really like Oklahoma City. I always plug it um, when people have never been there. So you should go. It's really cool. Is it a place that uh, you would like to live long term? Honestly, yeah. Yeah. You know, I still think at this point, if I were to move back to the States, I would try my hand at living somewhere else because I've always lived in Oklahoma City. But yeah. it is a good city. Like, my friends that have moved there after college, they want to stay for a while. They really like it. Nice. Yeah. So um, you might hear us occasionally stopping to sip our coffee because yes. we're still getting caffeinated. I'm going to do that right now. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Carolyn, feel free to. <laughs> as well as if you'd like you know, this, these double cappuccinos aren't cheap here no <laughs> so no i just got bags um, of coffee so <laughs> <laughs> nice all right so you've been in norway for how long almost two years Next okay month, and years. you're working here as an au pair yes right? here's an au pair okay so what is an au pair and how do you spell that okay you spell it a-u space p-a-i-r Mm-hmm. So au pair is two French words. Au pair. I'm saying I say, au, pair. I say, I say au, pair. au pair. I don't know if which one is correct. I think I think it's au pair. I think you're the au pair, so you would know. Okay, I, yeah, that's how I say it. No, and then... Um, au pair. Okay. Yeah, no, I believe the down, French so I term... Think. Yeah, there you go. So you know. <laughs> oh, letter O pair. Letter O. <laughs> yeah. I believe the French definition is something like on an equal footing, but I don't speak French, so I can't tell you for sure. But it is basically a cross between a nanny and an exchange student, is what I tell people. Okay. As a lot of people... They're like, isn't it just a fancy word for nanny? <laughs> but there's a little bit more, I think, to being an au pair than just taking care of kids. So. Okay, what is the exchange student part of it? Because I haven't heard that. I, I, I just yeah. assume nanny as yeah, well. Yeah, no, it reminds me a lot of student exchange programs because your host family is really, they take you in, or they're supposed to at least take you into the family and really kind of show you the culture and you take language courses and you don't study, study, like you don't go to school, but you take kind of language courses and it's mostly about cultural exchange and while you're there you are helping out the family by taking care of the kids helping out around the house just kind of being kind of like an adult kid in the family you know just as if you were you know living with your own family so yeah and so it's the cultural exchange aspect and then the job and the job yeah and really they kind of they kind of blended in a very interesting way because there is there is a bit of a blurred line really between is this work or is this family time and cultural exchange? And so <laughs> this is probably like an experience I'll never live. You know, I'm probably <laughs> yeah. never going to be an au pair. So I really love to hear. I can tell you right now you're already disqualified. So <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you have kids. Oh, because yeah. you have kids. Mm-hmm. You can't okay. have your own kids and be yeah. an au pair. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, you're going so. to another country. You're living mm-hmm. with somebody else and taking care of their kids. Their so kids, they're yeah. like, hey. That's a little frowned upon. You can't leave your kids. No, you can't just leave your kid at home. Kids. Not <laughs> cool at all. Okay, so you kind of summarized what an au, au pair. I keep <laughs> to say au pair. Au pair okay, does. People. Why did you pick Norway of all countries to come to? <laughs> I get that question so much. And really, I had an online friend who is obviously now a real life friend who is from Norway. She's from up a little bit north of Trondheim. 
and we had we've been talking and texting for a long time and I had you know learned more about Norway from her and I was much more interested in it than I would have been before because before I was like oh yeah I'd like to go there sometime but now I was like Norway that's where my friend lives it seems really cool and when I was looking into being an au pair I started looking at several European countries but Norway ended up being top of the list just because of just my previous interest in it but also because of like the laws and the system around being an au pair there's because they're not the same in every European country. You know, there's some people say, why didn't you go to, you know, Spain, you know, and not to throw Spain under the bus, but th- there's not really an official like system or contract or anything there. So there's certain countries that have different systems than others. Okay. So it kind of depends on what you're comfortable with and what works for you. And so I picked Norway partially because of just pure interest and partially because of the system. Like I knew it was a fairly robust contract and law that I knew it would be a little bit easier for me if something were to happen. Yeah, you were taking into account the daily life and the reality of the job, not just the sort of dreamy like, hey, I'm going to go live in, you know, France. Exactly. And which would be wonderful, you know. Right. But then I got here, you know, and I had I learned a surprising amount of Norwegian before I got here just because my friend kept sending me like TV clips and things. And so I learned a lot from her. Just from watching YouTube TV clips? I mean, I, I mean, I started teaching myself as well, but, yeah. you know, from teaching myself and being friends with her and watching TV and stuff, I learned a surprising amount before I got here. And then after I got here, I realized that I just really liked it and I wanted to stay. And my first host family didn't work out, but I stayed with a second host family. And I'm so glad that I did. Hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people that switch host families okay. after the first one. And uh, no, and now I'm trying to get my student visa and go to college here. So Hopefully I'll be here for a little while longer at least. <laughs> what were some of the tools you were using to, to study before you came? Because I think that's helpful for anybody traveling. Duolingo was the one I used the most. Yeah. Um, and there weren't that many online resources for Norwegian that I found before that. I didn't know that Pimsleur existed, yeah. the, ones that you, the one that you talk about. And there was a lot of paid online courses. But Duolingo and YouTube and just mm-hmm. trying to read as much as I could in Norwegian. And did you find like taking that and then bringing it to the reality of like actual conversations was doable at first or was it a bit shocking? It was a little bit shocking, but it was shocking. But I think I actually recommend the TV thing to a lot of people if they can get a hold of TV shows, because the more you listen, the easier it is to understand people talking at speed. Yeah. Because when you listen to like Duolingo and you listen to very like clipped and well enunciated sentences mm. and you're like I understand so much yeah. and then someone starts talking at you and you freeze you know <laughs> which has happened which still happens oh, to me still sometimes happens to me all the time. I meet someone from a place I've never been with a weird dialect and I'm like what did you say yeah because the dialects here are insane there's so many different there's dialects, so many and yeah. it's so funny because you can't, it's like anything if you spend time in a place you can't really pick up on them until you are there and then you start mm-hmm. realizing all the differences and it was really funny because I only spoke English and some Norwegian when yeah. I got here, but it was very little. Um, I was studying beforehand, but not as extensively as you. <laughs> and so I was meeting my wife's friends and, and things like that for yeah. the first time, but we were just speaking in English. And then later I got better at Norwegian and I started speaking Norwegian with them. And I'm like, who is this person? They sound totally different. Yeah. It was weird. They all of a sudden, they sounded like... I think my voice sounds different in Norwegian <laughs> as well. Like, obviously your voice sounds different recorded as opposed to, you know, what other people hear as opposed to what you hear. Yeah. But... I think it also sounds different depending on which language I speak. Because yeah. when I, I heard myself speak Norwegian on a video one time and it threw me for a loop, I was like, that is not me. That is not what I sound like. 
I have yet to conduct an interview in Norwegian. We were talking about that beforehand. Mm -hmm. Are we going to do this in Norwegian? No, we're not. We're both, uh, well, I'm too intimidated. I'm sure, um, Carolyn, you're probably... I could get through a few questions, I think, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So let's talk about the the countries again, because I think one of the first things people are going to look at if they're considering being an au pair is like... Is the country selection, Is where right? you can because, go. Yeah, because that's the exciting part. One of the exciting parts, yes, mm-hmm. is the job, but the cultural exchange, the being able to like submerge yourself in another yeah. culture, live with a family from that culture. Yeah, and you really do immerse yourself in it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, first of all, what are some of the countries that are out there that do this? And I know you can't have to list every single one, but no. maybe just general <laughs> areas. And, and how do you, like, what are some resources where people can explore this? And yeah, that's a, it's a multi-layer question, but yeah, let's no, start no. there. The one I trust the most is Au Pair World. It's all one word website, aupairworld.com. Okay. And it is run by former au pairs and host parents. It's a pretty robust network. And on that website, you can sign up, make a little profile and find your host family. I found both my host families that way. Hmm. But they also, they give you a list of countries that they, at least have the ones that they have information on, that they know that they have host families there and they know that they have information about what it's like to be an au pair there. And you can go to one website and, you know, open the tab for Norway and Sweden and France and Spain, you know, whatever, whichever places you want to go to and kind of compare. Mm-hmm. So you can click and they'll tell you how much pocket money you're supposed to get and how much time off you're supposed to get and what the system is like. And then you can kind of look more into the culture and, you know, do, if you actually really want to be there. But I think Au Pair World is an excellent place to start if you just want to start reading about the options that you have and the laws that are in place in those countries and i do recommend going to the actual immigration website though because it can change (laughs) but before you do that you can kind of go to the one one one-stop shop of au pair world and it's very secure um you know that you message the other families through au pair world you can contact them if anything seems creepy of all the sites i've seen it seems by far the most legitimate and the safest okay yeah Yeah, we'll link to that it sounds like for you there was a certain balance of the laws versus the the culture and yeah, I was being here very interested in the like culture, that. but sure, um, and that's going to be different for everybody. I think some people might be like, "Hey, I'm just I'm going to Spain no matter yeah, what." Exactly. Or yeah. <laughs> um, but for that person, I mean, what what could they be in for? I mean, you talk about the laws, and you're living with a family, you're working, but. What does that mean? Like how, how many exactly. hours are you on? When yeah. are you supposed to technically be off? How do you mm-hmm. get paid? Like these are all the questions yeah. I think we're going to get into now. Yeah. And for obviously the one I can speak to the most is Norway. And I know the system is different everywhere. But yeah. in Norway, you have there's a government contract through UDI. I'm sure you're quite familiar with UDI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh yes. <laughs> immigration department. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's an g- official government contract that you and the host family fill out and send in. And it you know it'll detail that... You're supposed to get, um, I think before taxes right now, it's 5,600 kroner a month in pocket money. Hmm. And so that plus your, um, which is about the board. $800, I would say, I, something like that, eight or $800 to $1,000, somewhere I think it's there. less than that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I'm very bad at converting yeah. dollars to kroner. If it's not one to 10, then I can't, <laughs> I can't do it in my head. That's before tax. So that and your room and board together are counted as wages by the government. And so you are taxed. So I do get a tax return this year, which is nice. Yeah. And is the contract for how long? It can be anywhere from a few months up to two years. Two years is the max amount of time you can be an au pair. 
which is why I am in the process of switching visas, which is nerve-wracking. In, in any country or just in, in, at, in, in general? In Norway, I know. Oh, in Norway, okay. Yeah, two years is the max amount of time you can be here on an au pair visa. So you could have a three-month contract and just be an au pair for a summer. You could go in for the long haul. I think the standard is about a year, Yeah. Okay. though, between six months and a year. Um, most au pairs I know have been here, have done like a year-by-year year thing. What also gives you time to get to know the family, get to be in the culture, get to know the kids. Yeah. That's a huge yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean these kids are, I mean, they're basically like my younger siblings now, at least that's how I feel. <laughs> you know? How many kids are you taking care of? Four. Four kids. Wow, mm-hmm. what are the ages? They are eight, seven, four, and two. Okay, oh, wow. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. And what uh, what city are you living in? I live in Stavern, which is about two hours south of here. It's a summer town. Okay. Um, on the on the coast, not quite on the coast of the Oslo Fjord, but just outside of it. Nice. Yeah. What are some of the red flags people should look out for if they're doing research and... Like when know, they're talking certain, to a family? Yeah, I mean, just certain things to be aware of, mm-hmm. uh, not only with the family, but also with the, the country you select. Yeah. For me, it'd be very important that work hours were detailed, like okay. that it was regulated. In how much? Yeah, in yeah. the contract that how much I was allowed to work, because I'm legally not allowed to work more than 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be exactly five hours per day, but as long as it evens out to five hours per day and you have your time off and, you know, so it's okay if you work, you know, a total of six one day and a total of two the next day and, you know, as long as it evens out. Yeah. So like, I know that if I ended up in a family that was trying to make me work 50 hours a week, then I could complain and have grounds to complain. Right. You know, but there's some places where that's not detailed in the contract or detailed in kind of the law that... You could complain, but if you didn't check the contract carefully enough or something, you wouldn't really have too much of grounds to complain. Yeah. There are people that au pair in countries without regulation just fine. And right. it happened, you know, I'm, there's plenty of wonderful host families out there that aren't <laughs> going to work you too hard. But for me, it was important that that kind of thing be regulated. Yeah. Just okay. so that I would know that I had a little bit of backup, at least, to say, yeah, like. Yeah, because you're like, I could imagine you're in some family's house and you could slowly be. The lines get blurred between work and free time. Yes. And yeah, that can happen. It can, go, of course, be really dramatic in a bad way. Yes, but, it can. But I see more of the problem being the middle gray area mm-hmm. where, oh, we're all hanging out watching TV right yes, now. Because or, I think that's what people don't look out for as working too much. They say, yeah. oh, but they don't make me like scrub the floors. And they don't, you know, they, they go to the dramatic side and they say, oh, well, I'm not doing this. It's like, yeah, but you are working too much and you don't have any free time and you know, the parents expect you to do way too much, that's still not great. Like, that's still not sp- not how it's supposed to work. So you do have grounds to complain. And you're saying in some countries that's not as tightly regulated. In some, in some countries, it's not as tightly regulated. And like I said, I know people au pair in those countries for wonderful families and it works out fine. But I also know that you hear stories. You hear more stories from the countries with less regulation, I think. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you hear stories from Norway too. So it happens everywhere. Sure, sure. No, yeah. It's if it's, you're interested in it, it's not a reason not to look into it, is what you're saying. Not at all. Because no. I mean, you could say there's if you bad have a good head on your shoulders, anything you want yeah. to do, right? No, you I, can always seek out the, yeah, <laughs> the exactly. worst in it. No, you can. I would, I would recommend it to. I mean, if you were, you know, qualified and fit the bill as far as your personality and stuff, I would definitely, well, definitely say about, it's safe. Let's talk about qualifications. What are the yeah. qualifications, and and who is this right for? Well, officially speaking, in Norway, at least, you have to be between 18 and 30. I think you have to be single, like you can't be married and you can't have your own kids. It has to be likely that you will return to your home country afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) That is officially speaking, those are the qualifications. But I would say outside of that, like 
you really do need to like kids. A lot of people will look at this as just a travel job and they say, mm-hmm. oh, I can take care of kids. Anyone can take care of kids. Right. Which I can say as a former preschool teacher, no, mm-hmm. everyone cannot take care of kids. If you don't genuinely enjoy being around children, you're going to get really burned out really fast. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be good for you or the kids or the family. It doesn't mean that your whole life has to revolve around kids and you have to want to be a preschool teacher when you grow up. But you do need to kind of, when you grow up, I'm talking about, I'm talking about adults, but you know what I mean? But you do need to, you know, enjoy being around children. Yeah. And I would say generally you need to be fairly flexible and easygoing. You know, I think if you're a little, if you're too high maintenance, you might stress yourself out all the time if things aren't exactly the way you want them to be. Mm. The most important qualifications are that you're, you know, willing to learn and, you know, really immerse yourself in this culture and you really want to be a part of it and not just sit in your room the whole time. And, and that no, you like kids. There are no educational requirements at all. I mean, you take language courses here. You don't have yeah. to, speak, you know, as I think usually you have to be able to speak either English or Norwegian so that someone can communicate with you. Is the language always a part of these programs in every country or is that just in Norway? I think it's in most countries. Okay. It's either just what's done. <laughs> Speaking of taking care of kids, there's Hi. one right there. <laughs> He's adding some ambiance to this yeah. podcast. I'm very used to this. We're talking about being au pairs and working with kids. So yeah. this is perfect, actually. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my house. <laughs> we'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Pathfinder with seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures 
and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. What are the tasks involved uh, in terms of everyday life? What can people expect? Can yeah. you just go through a typical day or two? Yeah, it's going to be a little different in every family, obviously, especially depending on how old the kids are but and whether or not they're in kindergarten. But... You know, you'll do things like help get the kids up in the morning and ready for school and, you know, maybe I'll drive them to and from or I used to, you know, when it was warmer weather and we lived farther away, I would walk with them to school because they were a little young to be doing it by themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, making dinner a couple nights a week. Kind so you, of do, do you do some cooking? And yeah. Yeah. And which I love to cook, so it's fine. But uh, I I can imagine if someone didn't like to cook, they would pr- should probably put that on their uh, profile <laughs> just so yeah. that the family didn't expect it. Sure. Um, I'm sure it's intimidating, you know, walking to somebody's house and cooking them a meal. It's oh, extremely intimidating. Like <laughs> the first time I made dinner, I was like, oh, I hope this is good. And yeah. it was great. So yeah. it, they all enjoyed it. But there have definitely been, there are hits and misses when it comes to cultural exchange with food, for sure. And cleaning? Is that? Yeah. And there's um, lighthouse work. And that's another thing that's in the contract is that you yeah. can't like, you cannot be the housekeeper. Like, right. you, you, you know, you can't do everything. They can't make you clean, you know, all the family bathrooms and stuff all the time. Um, but it's just general, like, especially if both parents are at work, someone's got to vacuum. Someone's got to make sure that the laundry gets changed. And then you have some, you know, free time to, yeah. it's not like you're working all day. But just general, like, lighthouse work can be your job. Just thinking about you making that first meal for a yeah. family or speaking Norwegian for the first time with the family, even meeting the kids and all of those things. Is it an experience that got you out of your comfort zone more than usual? Extremely. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. No, I'm. How did you feel? Was that? I'm a very introverted person, and so I've had to really, as I've gotten older, like at work and also doing this, I've had to kind of force myself out of my comfort zone to be like social and put myself in social situations that I'm not as generally as comfortable with. Um, and this is definitely the biggest uncomfortable <laughs> social situation that I yeah. pushed myself into. You know, it was more intimidating, I think, doing the first Skype interview than it was meeting them in person, I think. As long as I've talked to them once, you know, it felt a little bit better mm-hmm. when I got mm-hmm. there. But yeah, it was definitely a, a new and uncomfortable social situation for me. <laughs> How long have you been here now? Almost two years. Okay. How has the experience changed you? Oh my gosh, so many, so many ways. Yeah. Honestly, my self-confidence especially in social situations has gone up so much because I've shown myself since being here that like that I can handle things you know I could handle it when my first host family didn't work out and I had to find a new one completely by myself you know I could handle it when I moved to a new town and didn't know anybody I could handle you know fumbling my way through learning a new language I could handle when I mess things up you know and Every time something happened, I was like, I can handle this. I got this. I can handle this. And it really kind of became kind of a mantra for me. It was like, I got this. Okay, I got this. This is fine. And so now things that would send me like spiraling into an anxiety attack a couple of years ago don't phase me near as much as they Mm. used to because I've already gone through like the extreme anxiety of moving to a new country, sight unseen. I'd never been here before, before I moved. This is the first time was the day I moved. And... So I, I think that's definitely the biggest way that it's changed me is that A, I speak a new language and B, my self-confidence has gone just not through the roof, but way up mm-hmm. to where it used to be for sure. That's certainly something that you can take with you for your whole life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's something that I can, you know, even if I don't get to stay, knock on wood, I very much hope I get to stay. 
but I can always take that and say, hey, when I was in Norway, this and this and this happened and I learned so much from it. And, you know, I don't always have that to fall to look back on and to build on. Yeah, so. there are a lot of ways to, to grow as a person or improve yourself. Mm -hmm. I think I'm really fascinated with how travel does that. And I feel it accelerates it in a lot of ways because yeah. you are thrown, like you said, into these situations that if you were just at home in your daily routine, it's really easy to avoid those yes. <laughs> sort of uncomfortable situations, yeah. right? But when you're traveling or, or doing something like this you've never done before, you're guaranteed to run into those situations and there's nowhere to run. There's and nowhere hide, to go. Right? Yeah. I mean, you could, you can always just get a plane ticket home or whatever and that's fine and you could yeah. do that. But I find more often than not, most people just rise to the occasion. Yeah. Right? I don't know if it helps to have a, you know, fear of failure like I do, but I was, it was more of a refusal to fail than it, mm. which would not be a failure if you had to go home. But for me at the time, I considered it like, no, I, this is going to work out and yeah. I refuse to let it not work <laughs> out. And so well, I mean, I, what did you do during the downtimes? Because you mentioned the first host family not working out. Mm -hmm. What was the story there? And was there a point where you, you know, how did you know to make a change? I mean, that would be advice that ties in with being an au pair also, yeah. because how, how would one identify when, yeah, hey, this is not working out because that can be hard. It can be hard. And I was there for about five months. Sometimes, you know, but sometimes. Yeah. And I think looking back, everyone should have known earlier and should have said something earlier. You know, it could be a difficult conversation. To it's have. a very difficult conversation to have. And I just this is one of those things that if I could give advice to any prospective host families listening to this, communicate with your au pairs. Just always communicate clearly and openly between two adults is the best way to do it. Like, don't dance around it. Don't wait for six weeks until it's become a huge problem and then talk about it. Just communication is very important. And I think there was a communication breakdown in the first family. You know, I'm trying to be diplomatic. They're not bad people. It just didn't work out. Mm -hmm, yeah. And, you know, there's definitely a, a kind of personality matching that you can't figure out on Skype. Yeah. So there's certain, you know, if you really just don't click with the kids as much as you thought you would or don't click with the parents as much as you thought you would, um, you know, I think some, one of the biggest things to look for is how they handle conflict. I would ask that in your first Skype interview with the family, like, have you ever had an au pair before? Have you ever had a conflict with that au pair before? How did you resolve it? Hmm. Or has the au pair ever had like a huge conflict with the kids that, you know, there was a, you know, something that she couldn't solve. He or she doesn't have to be a girl, but they tend to be. And, you know, how did you guys help them work that out? Yeah. So I think, and they might be shocked and say, oh my gosh, we've never had a conflict with no parent. You can say, great. Mm -hmm. How would you resolve it? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's so good to hear. Mm. Um, but I think that's definitely because, you know, my host parents speak to me like an adult because I am, you know, mm. they don't, they don't treat me as if I need to be like managed. Yeah. And I think that's very important that the host family and the au pair you know, even though they are technically your employers and your quote bosses, there's also that family element. Like they need to just be able to openly and clearly communicate. And they live in the house with you. Yeah. Or you, you live in the house with yes. them, I should say. You have to have your own <laughs> room by meant. law. <laughs> you have but, to have your own room by law. Okay. Yeah. And the food is included, whether you're cooking it or eating it. Yeah. You get yeah. all your food paid for. Yeah. So that's where, you know, it sounds that's like where oh, the part of the be, family thing comes in. Right. It might be a low in this case, a salary and in some countries is it hourly or is it always a salary? I don't know. Here it is a pocket. It's monthly pocket money is what they call it. Okay. So, you know, yeah. money for you to go out and do stuff and because get a few train like tickets. Not, not a huge amount maybe, but then you're not paying 
room and board. You're not. And that's, and, you know, often you'll get your cell phone in. thrown in. It kind of depends, you know, but I have just the third line yeah. on the family plan is my cell phone. You're not doing this to get rich. You're doing it to no, have no. an experience. Yeah. You're not and doing this to get rich. It's not going to, you're not going to be able to save up a bunch of money. I don't think I have any savings right now, to be frank. <laughs> right. But, um, but you no, have the, you can't work the experience on the side. you yeah. can take yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. And that's um, that, that you're not allowed to work on the side, so no. that's good but to know. But if you've been here for two years and become fluent in the language, it's much easier for you to get a job if you do want to stay. Right. So You mentioned the host families, and there are people of all ages listening to this podcast, of course. And that was an interesting thing. I, I didn't really plan to talk about it because you don't have the experience of being the host no, family, <laughs> but you're living with the host family. And it's just something to point out that, hey, if you're somebody listening and you have kids... I, it's an interesting way. It's kind of like couch surfing, right? Yeah, I mean, consider you can, it you, a pair. You get to sure. invite somebody in your house from another culture. Yeah. Get to show them your culture and you get to expose your kids to... Your kids get a new language. And yeah, a new, somebody from another country yeah. that like, I, I suppose from the kids' perspective and the family, I mean, they get to practice their English with mm-hmm. you. They get to learn what an American's like, I yeah. suppose. And, um, yeah, both of... I'm the second au pair in this family and they've both been American. <laughs> so now they definitely have an opinion. So. <laughs> But uh, it's just an interesting idea for for kids having having a kid now. I mean, I can imagine, you know, it's nice to expose her to as many sort of international mm-hmm. perspectives as possible. Um, what about the social life? You mentioned being an introvert and then becoming more social and getting more confidence. But in terms of having a social life in these situations, I'm sure it's a lot dependent on what town you're living in yes. and all that, but do you get to use a car? Is there, what, yeah. what's the usual, or what's the vibe in the au pair community? Uh, yeah, I lived in that. another small town before I moved to my current small town. And I'm not from a small town. <laughs> Oklahoma City is not tiny, but it's, I mean, it's not it's not huge, but it's not tiny either. And so I'm mm. used to being from a slightly bigger place. Um, but really, the how much of a social life you have is dependent on how much effort you put into it, at okay. least here in Norway, which I'm pretty sure you can identify with <laughs> that. It's, you don't necessarily like talk to people in the bar and yeah. become instant friends. You know, right. you, you have to put a little, little bit of work into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I met most of my friends that I hang out with now through, um, Norwegian school. Mm. Sometimes you get lucky and you have some people that are your age or at least that you get along with. And the school's included. You don't have to pay for that. Either. No, your family pays for that up okay. to X amount per year. Cool. Um, I don't remember how much it is, but it usually it will cover it. Mm. And that's like the county, yeah. you know. So you're, you have a course. built-in network because you're going to meet people at school. Yeah. So hopefully you'll meet people right. at school. You'll have those people. Um, you know, try and find some, you know, activities you can do in your free time. You know, unfortunately, you're not allowed to work or go to university. So you don't have those networks available to you. Um, but, you know, join some kind of, you know, organization or some kind of sports club or whatever that you can do in your free time. As long as it's allowed. Email your local podcaster and email your local podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Make some internet friends that have connections to Norway and they'll come visit you. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure that's that's a tough question to answer, of course, because it is dependent a lot, I think, on I think what country you're in as well. Yeah, what country you live, where you live. Is going back to what you said before in the age, eighteen to thirty, is that universal? Or I generally I think. Okay. I don't know exactly like I said, I don't know the laws in a lot of other countries because it's been a couple of years since I've looked at them. But I know most of the places I checked, you had to be in like 18 and 29 or, you know, 18 and 30 just to make sure that it really was fulfilling the point of being an au pair, which is to get a young person to come in and exchange culture and not someone that's looking for a free place to stay in exchange for, you know, working a little bit. 
which there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what the au pair program is designed for. So. Are there any other resources you want to mention on this topic outside of au pair world, which we'll link to it. Anything else that you um, found there useful? Are, gosh, there are so many yeah. blogs. But and if that's the main one that you use. Yeah, that's the main that's, one that I use. And there's cool. a bunch, there's, Less gosh, is there's more so many blogs. There's, you know? <laughs> there's almost too many blogs, right. which is why I don't have one. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many and they're all sure. dealing with the same thing. What has this allowed you to do travel wise? The last couple of years. It really... You said you just got back from a pretty cool trip. I did. I just got back from Greece with a little bit of Poland thrown in. So that <laughs> nice. was really nice. Yeah, no, I've gotten... I went down to Spain last year for the first time. I went to Poland and Greece for the first time. Um, my host mom is actually from Sweden. So I've been to Sweden with the family a couple of times and really kind of oh, nice. gotten to see a side of Stockholm that I wouldn't really so see they, before. So if they travel, you go with them? Yeah. No, I mean, not always, but generally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll have your free time and they'll have their free time and you kind of just trade off who's watching the kids and you're all on vacation. Mm-hmm. And so it's really nice. Nice. Um, yeah. And I've gotten to you know see a lot of Norway and I've gotten to go places that tourists generally don't go. Yeah. Which I think is really neat. You know, both in the some of the places that I've traveled to, you know, I've been to places in Sweden that tourists normally don't end up going. Sure. Like, you've been to where now? Why, <laughs> you know? why would they? Because, yeah. yeah. And same in Norway. You know, I've been to a couple of places in Norway and I, you know, when you click on the hashtag on Instagram, you don't see a lot of tourists posting about it. You know, if you click on the hashtag Oslo, mm-hmm. there's a million pictures. Sure. If, if you're, I can't even think of a town, but if I'm up in a small town visiting my friend and we found a Viking monument, you know, right. pe- no, no one else has been there. At least right. no one else from, you know, my part of the US has been there. And so that, has been really neat because you get kind of an inside perspective. Yeah. What do your friends back home think? I think it's really cool. Following along. Yeah. Yes, I think, and there's a few people, I've, I still get questions like, what are you doing? What? Why? Where Where do you live? Because, <laughs> you know, if they haven't kept up with me for a while and they make contact again, they see that I'm posting, you know, from a train on the way to Oslo. Mm-hmm. They'll message me and they're like, what on earth are you doing? Where are you? <laughs> How are you traveling? <laughs> and so I kind of have to explain that that I'm living here and trying to trying to continue living here and I'm not just, you know, bopping around the globe, which yeah, so would that, also be really cool. That's the plan for you. You're trying to now get into university in Norway. Yes. It's interesting when you go to do these things, you just don't know how your life's going to change or in what direction Yeah, it's I did not plan. Go. When I got here, I was like, and then I'm going to go to school. Like, that right. was never a part of my plan. It was, people had talked about it. People said, well, why don't you just go to university there? And I was like, I don't know. That's a long time commitment. We'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah. We'll see. It's probably a good attitude to have, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, after a while, I said, okay, I think I'm going to try and stay. And then when my Norwegian got to the point where I realized that I could pass the test to get into school, because mm-hmm. there are some programs in English, mine is in Norwegian. So when I realized that I could get to that level, I thought, okay, this is a real thing I'm going to try to do. Yeah. And uh, I have to wait until May 20th to find out if I got in. So maybe I'll update everybody <laughs> and oh, tell you if I got into I school. I wish you the best of luck. Thanks. I hope I hope that works out for you. Yeah, me too. It's, um, it's a great way to go into an experience like this, I think. Like you said, kind of we'll see. Being open to doing something different. And mm-hmm. I, I'm sure when you left, did you did you kind of think, oh, well, I'll probably just come back after this? Was that kind of your mindset yeah. then? Or were you really open? Or was it? I, I, mean, I, was, I was very open. I was not committed to coming back. Yeah. At least not my poor mom. She's going to hear that. She's like, oh, no. <laughs> no. Sorry, mom. Yeah, no. But, uh, By the way, Carolyn's okay. She met the, the strange guy at the coffee shop. Yeah, no, I met this okay. guy from the internet at the coffee shop and everything is fine. <laughs> we were talking about that before we, we started recording. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this was not so much a stepping stone to, you know, then going back to regular life, but more of a stepping stone to maybe a, a, a longer term life abroad yeah. or traveling. Yes, because I had done... 
really, I'd gotten the travel bug when I was a little bit younger, but then when I was 20, yeah, I was 20. Well, how did you get it when you were younger? I went on church trips to um, three different places in Central America, and those are, you know, highly organized, and they're more focused on what you're doing with your group of people from the church, but Mm. it was still the first time I'd been out of the country. Right. You know, my family was an American road tripping family. We didn't leave the country, you know. Which American road trips are great. Which are amazing. (laughs) I love them, and I can't wait to do another one. Um, No, I'm a big fan of the American road trip. But I went to Costa Rica and Honduras and Mexico, and then when I left college at 20... Um, due to a variety of personal reasons, I got an internship at a um, is an old church in Scotland that has a historical center in it. And the historical center, we were kind of running it and doing the tours, not running it, but helping run it, mm-hmm. doing the tours and kind of everything else that needed to be done there in um, in Edinburgh for three months, or almost three months. And that was really my first time that I thought I could move. You know, I could mm. I could stay out of the country for a little longer than two weeks, mm-hmm. and it would be really cool. Um, and so after that, I kind of it got harder and harder to try and go places because I was working all the time. You know, mm. I was working in retail and at a preschool, so constantly at work. It's funny how a simple idea like that, like I, wait a minute, I could move. I could it's move. Just a simple like, idea, but then here. when you really embrace that idea, yeah. And how things can open up, and then yeah. it, is that kind of where it started? Where you were like, okay, I can move. How what does I that move? mean? How yeah. do I do it? And then you start looking into it. I honestly can't remember if this was pre or post Scotland, but I was talking to a friend of my mom's and talking about how I was kind of angsty and didn't really want to be sitting in Oklahoma City at the time and, you know, wanted to try and find something to do. And she said, have you considered being an au pair? And I wrote it off. I was like, nah, no, you know, I don't think that that is the job for mm-hmm. me. I don't remember why. I think I was just kind of scared to do it. Mm. And then a few years later, like it was, it kept sticking with me. Mm. And I was like, yeah, didn't Allison say that I could be an au pair? And I was, so I started looking into it and I realized I'm so qualified. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right. You were working like, at a preschool, right? Yeah, I was working at a preschool at the time and that's what I want to study. And so, and so I realized that I kind of fit all of the criteria and I was like, I could totally do this. And so the idea just kind of took root. And then I told at my sister's graduation party, I told the whole family that I was going to try and move to Norway to be an au pair. And everyone was like, what? Were you serious that time? Or was that trying no, to hold that yourself was accountable? Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was serious about doing it. But also I knew that once I told the whole family, I couldn't back out. Because that's a huge thing I always say to people. Once you start telling people, especially those close to you, it becomes more real and you hold yourself accountable yeah. to do it because you've made it real. And, and for some reason, it's like my tattoo. I've told people I'm getting a tattoo. And so now I have to get it. Are you getting a tattoo? I celebrate two years. Yeah. What are you going to get? I am going to get, I think I'm going to get my first passport stamp from Gardamon because I have it in my passport from, from Oslo airport, from Oslo airport, my very first passport stamp <laughs> from Norway. I think to celebrate nice. being here for two years, that That's is my plan. Cool. I was wondering so. if I would come back and you would have, a Viking helmet tattooed on your face or something. Honestly, <laughs> it took me so long to consider something that wasn't generic travel that was like Norway specific. And I was yeah. like, well, I'm not going to get a salmon or a moose. <laughs> like, what, I, what on earth am I going to get? <laughs> I have no Viking heritage, so I couldn't yeah, get that either. antlers might not be the coolest tattoo. No offense to anybody listening that has moose It has a moose or a salmon tattoo. Set. It's just not really my, uh, <laughs> my aesthetic. Uh, what is it like being a mini ambassador from the United States? I find that when you're traveling, you by default for good or for better or worse are representative of that country to an extent mm-hmm. right and not always maybe nah. can sometimes just have a conversation and, and maybe they've they've met americans before and they have american friends or, yeah. or, or whatever they have some kind of so it's no 
yeah. they don't think about it. But then there will be others that you encounter that might be their first time talking to an American yeah. or for the first time getting to know somebody from a different country for an extended period of time. Have you found that to be the case? Have you yeah. found that role to be exhausting? What, what is, <laughs> I don't know. No, that like it's usually you? very cool. Um, I usually I really enjoy the opportunity to kind of say, oh, this 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 thing is very typical American, even though there's a lot of things that are, you know, very regional and there's not necessarily one typical American thing, mm-hmm. but I enjoy kind of being able to say, Oh, in my family growing up, we did this and just kind of giving them a broader cultural picture and what they get on TV. Yeah. Um, because you know, the American TV shows that make it over <laughs> here aren't always the most realistic. They're yeah. very entertaining, you know, but not everyone in New York lives <laughs> like they do on Friends and that kind of thing. You mean, uh, yeah, Friends always blew my mind how big their apartment was. I mean, how can you have that big <laughs> that of kind of stuff? in New York? That's not No, real. but I, no, <laughs> m- for the most part, I really enjoy it. And it's very well-meaning, obviously, and everyone that asks doesn't realize that everybody else has asked the same question, but there is kind of a, an expectation, I think, that I want to talk politics, which I often don't. And mm. so I think, but it's, it's just out of a genuine interest yeah Yeah. no it's out of a genuine curiosity and so that can be tiring for me but i you know it's not like the people that are asking me realize that they're the 10th person that's asked me that question right so that part you just kind of have to deal with and say you know what i don't really know too much about it or i don't really i don't really talk politics and let it go or just have an opinion and move on Mm -hmm. but generally i really enjoy it we'll get back to the interview in just a moment would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day. I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This Device has over 55,000 five star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Why should people visit Norway? Why shouldn't people visit Norway? <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I've never been to a place where the nature is prettier than Norway. I've, I've never been to a prettier place. Every like park, every small town every everything somehow is prettier than it is in the states for me at least in my opinion 
And I mean, the States has some absolutely gorgeous scenery, but here it really is like, it's pretty everywhere, every part of it. And, um, I really just like the general kind of way of life here. It's a lot more laid back than I would have expected. Um, I think there's kind of a stereotype of Northern Europeans like working all the time and never having any free time. And at least my impression of Norway and I've talked to a lot of Norwegians about this is there is a real emphasis on work-life balance that kind of lends itself to a really fairly chilled out vibe, Mm -hmm. you know, despite the, you know, the cities being, you know, busier and, you know, there's a little bit more hubbub, but it's not a stressful place to be. You know, Oslo is a very relaxed city. Bergen's a very relaxed city. And so I think that's the general vibe is that you have all the cool stuff available to you, but nobody seems rushed, yeah, at least in my opinion. I agree. It is relaxed, but when you say chill vibe, of course, I think about chill, literally the chill, the winter yes. chill, how long the winter is. <laughs> so I think it gets lost because it's easier to be in a beach town, for example, where it's warm and you're wearing yeah. flip-flops all the time and be like, oh, it's such a chill vibe here. Yeah. And it is this when chill say, vibe, but yeah. because the weather kind of can just hide it a little bit <laughs> yeah. in a way yes, you know <laughs> i just got through my first full norwegian winter because between host families i went home one. for six weeks it was so i had that break Ugh. this time whew. have your parents been over to visit or have you seen your family since you've been here the last i years? have been home twice yeah um my uncle has made it over here because he has business in germany a lot but no my family has not made it over here there's so many of them and so it would ca- like mm. the logistics and the cost of getting everybody over to norway is not insignificant um, but I've been home twice. I went home for six weeks between host families to kind of reset mm-hmm. and just because the contracts had a, you know, a bit of a break in between them. And then I went home for two weeks at Christmas for Christmas, a couple of family birthdays and my sister's wedding. So that was a lot. When you go back, do you get reverse culture shock? Yeah, to an extent. I mean, it's my hometown and my family, but there's also, and I can't even name specifics, but there are certain things that like, jar you after you've been gone for a little while like you get back and things that didn't normally annoy you are suddenly like extremely loud and obnoxious to you <laughs> you know things that would not have bothered you before or you bump into someone and you say excuse me in the wrong language you know there's just like little things that pile up and that's what I think about with regular culture shock too is it's not necessarily like one big thing that's so different People kept asking me what's different about Norway, what's different about Norway. And I was like, I don't even really, like I can name a bunch of little things, but it's all the little things put together Mm. that stress you out. Whether you're dealing with culture shock going in or culture shock going out, Mm. I think it's just all the small stuff that adds up and you're like, everything is different. You finally hit a wall, you know, and you're like, this is, yeah, this is not what I'm used to. Last question. Why does travel matter? I cannot name all of the things that travel has changed for me, like all of the people that I know because of travel, all of the little bits of new languages or fun facts or, you know, interesting cultural things that I have gotten not only to know, but to experience just from traveling. And so it's not just that I come back with cool stories. I come back, you know, with just a broader understanding of how the world works. And, you know, it changes your whole perspective on, reading the news it changes your perspective on your own country and on the countries that you visit and it's just I think it's so important I think if you stay in the same place your whole life you know and some people obviously don't have the you know means to travel and don't make it out but I think if you have the means and stay in the same place you are missing out on so much on 
a real perspective and a real, a broader outlook on humans and on the world. And yeah, so. Well, thanks for taking the time to meet up. I got to high five it out yeah. every time we do thanks one of these for in person. Me. It was so fun to chat with you. And I definitely did not expect to get an interview as soon as I uh, <laughs> sent you an email. It was like a week and then it worked out. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And you got you got up here a lot quicker than than I thought. You had a friend coming to. in town and, <laughs> yeah. and that, was, that was perfect. So I'm really excited to... Uh, to get to meet you and also yeah. that you took the time to write. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for listening to the show in the first place Definitely. and for coming on and sharing your experience as an au pair, which we've never talked to anybody that's done it before. So yeah. it's great to get. Some well, and I hope that, that this will help people kind of understand a little bit more what it entails and do their research and not just think, Oh, it's a fancy foreign nanny and not do anything <laughs> else. <laughs> totally. Of course this won't be for everybody, but we talked about a lot of different things when it comes to travel as well in this podcast. Yeah. So hope you got a lot of value out of this and your coffee's getting cold. I feel like I, I sucked I did, mine I down drinking, while we were, I while stopped we drinking were, my coffee. So. While we were chatting, yeah. but, um, thank you so much for your time and we'll, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. There you have it. Hope you enjoyed listening in on my conversation with, Caroline and Caroline, thank you once again for making the time to meet up in person, to hang out and to share your knowledge about being an au pair and yet another way to travel the world. I cannot believe how many different ways there are to do it. This is something I've been obsessed with for a long time and now, of course, obsessed with sharing all those different ways with you. And if you're new to the podcast, and you haven't subscribed or you haven't dug in, you are going to find countless ways to do it and to match it up with where you're at in your life right now. That's the key, right? As travelers, I think we all love travel for our entire lives. I don't see too many travelers that just stop loving it after a certain time. Maybe they want to settle down or live somewhere, which doesn't mean you stop enjoying travel. And I get a lot of emails people explain that they have traveled a lot and now they've been in an office job or something like that and they want to get back out on the road. And maybe the way they traveled before is not going to be the way they want to travel next. And that's why my mission here is to just share as many perspectives and ideas around travel and long-term travel and, and the nomadic life if you want to go that far with it. And the strategies, tactics, tips, and the practical things that you might want to consider to make it happen, to make it a reality. And I will never be an au pair. I will not just not do it, as you heard in the interview, but I get to feel what that experience is like and get to live through somebody else sharing that. And I love that because I'm not going to get to have every travel experience that I want to have. It's just impossible. But you know, as being a part of this community and as a part of these conversations, you get to have those experiences in a way. And then you also get to choose the ones that you want to take and implement into your life. So thank you for being a part of this community, the Zero to Travel Caravan. And I want to keep bringing you awesome shows that provide value and help you learn more about travel, get more inspiration, and of course, get all the practical things that you need as well. So if you have any guest recommendations, advice, or tips you want to share with me about this show, because this is your show, I just happened to host it, drop me a line, jason at zero to travel.com. I read all the emails. And if you have anything nice to say, you can always let me know that because those feel good, <laughs> of course, to hear because that really keeps me going to hear how the show has helped. And if you want to leave that in a review, even better because nothing makes my day like a good positive review. I'm just saying. Got a shout out quickly. 
Andrea. Thanks for writing. She said, hey, Jason, I love that spirit that you try to get to know your community. Thank you. I just joined it by curiosity. It's now been four to five months that I listened to your podcast and it is such a great source of inspiration in many ways. I hope you keep going with it and keep such a large panel of interesting guests. I'm trying, Andrea. I'm trying. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, She goes on to say, I decided that I wanted to do long-term traveling by moving to different places and staying there at least a few months. My statistician job was good because it's easy to find a position pretty much everywhere. But since I don't like my job in the end, no thanks to sitting in front of the computer all day, I just decided to save up some money and then start traveling and see where it will bring me. So my next travel is actually to your country, Norway. Yep, going always more north seems like my thing. The north is more magical. I'm currently in contact with a musher for helping him the whole winter season to take care and train his 40 sled dogs. It is really exciting to think about this crazy experience, knowing that it is not for tourism, but training them for competition. And maybe I will be able to actually take part of it. It's a kid's dream, but it shouldn't stay a dream. So I hope to discover more about myself out there and live the Northern life as much as possible. Uh, I just want to say thanks to Andrea for checking in and dropping me a line and sharing her story. And yeah, this leads into that number one strategy I'm going to share in in a second. I love how she said, this is a kid's dream, but it shouldn't stay a dream. And, you know, going after this travel dream of working with sled dogs in the North and something she thought about as a kid and now she's doing it as an adult. It's such a simple idea, right? But how often do we do that? How often do we take a dream that we had when we were kids, something that seemed like crazy when you're a kid and then you get old enough and it's just like the same idea. I always, you know, you think when you're a kid, oh, well, when I'm a grown up, I'm just going to eat chocolate all the time because I can't have all the chocolate I want or whatever your version of that is. But then you get to be an adult and you realize, okay, I can't have chocolate all the time because that's probably not healthy (laughs) and you rein things in. And that makes sense for some things, but for other things, maybe not so much, right? And when it comes to travel dreams, okay, now we're in it, we're adults and now we can save money and actually do these things. Wow. Well, let's go do them. Let's not lose sight of that. And I love that Andrea is is taking this dream she had as a child and making it a reality. And she said she was uh, almost 24 years old in this email. So I was just reading parts of the email, but just wanted to share that with you and Andrea, congratulations. Let me know when you come through, like you just heard. I love to meet up with people if you're coming through town, if possible. So let me know. I would love to meet up with you. And maybe after your dog sledding experience, we can have you on and learn what it's like to volunteer way up north there and and do something like that. I would love to hear about your experience and maybe even share it on the show. So please get in touch. Okay. What she said here about being a statistician and that that was good because it's a position she can work from pretty much anywhere. But she didn't want to keep doing it. So she decided to just save up money and start traveling. That leads into my strategy I wanted to share with you today. And it's a strategy that I used right when I got my first travel job. And that was not giving a crap about what job you did or what job you do. Like not really caring all that much about the job itself, but just the fact that it can take you somewhere new, that being enough, and be willing to do anything. And I know some people might not like that. Some people might think, well, I don't want to do a job I don't really love, or I don't want to do something. I'm going to find the perfect thing. I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, 
if you just want to get going and go somewhere and do something and have an experience, don't wait around for the perfect thing. In my opinion, I worked one summer at Disney when I was in college doing the college program and internship. And that's still something they run to this day. And I was a custodial host. If you can think about that terminology for a second, it basically means I was a janitor. I walked around the park, the theme park, sweeping up cigarette butts, doing trash runs, emptying garbage, not a sexy job at all, but I got to experience life down at Disney and working at a theme park and living in a totally different place and having adventures and traveling around Florida. And it's not a thing I would want to do now, but it was one of the best summers I had, maybe the best in college. And I just wanted to go have an experience. Okay, what's it like to work at Disney and live in Florida for a summer? I don't know. Let, let me go see what that's all about. And who cares if I'm sweeping up trash? Whatever. That sounds great. I'll sweep up trash. I just want to have this experience. And when I started looking for my first gig that I didn't know what it was going to be, it ended up being a long career as a, a touring professional. I ended up working in events, as some of you know that listen to this show. And it, it just happened in a way by happenstance. It happened because I just wanted to travel and I wanted to find something that got me on the road and I wasn't going to be too picky about what that was. Just give me something that takes me somewhere and I have a good work ethic and I'll do the job and I'll have the experience and that's going to be interesting and it's, it's going to be an experience. I'm going to learn from it and I don't know where it's going to go, but let me just take it for what it is. And not everybody, I guess, has an easy time with thinking of life in that way, or especially career, right? Because we can get caught up in this idea. Well, what is this? How are people going to look at this? Am I going to be able to get a job? Are they going to think I was just clowning around? Is this going to look good on my resume? Whatever. My opinion, who cares? Go have the experience and live it and just deal with those situations when they come up. More often than not, if you have a good explanation as to why you've done things later on down the road, you want to get a more traditional job. As long as you have justification for it, as long as you have reasons that usually involve you know learning about yourself or just trying new things who, who can get down about that and if somebody gets down on you about that is that really somebody you even want to work for in the first place i don't know so andrea it sounds like she had this statistician job and it wasn't something she was thrilled about but she did it because she knew she could do it from anywhere and then when she was done with it she decided to cast it off and just save her money and travel you can do that and everything doesn't have to be planned out. Everything doesn't have to be figured out. You don't have to have the perfect job. You just find something and go and live it and see what it's all about. That's just my two cents. That's my rant. Thank you for listening to it. And that's all I have to say about that. So I hope that's helpful. Maybe some of you disagree. Maybe some of you are shaking your heads right on. Okay, let's do this. Whatever that is for you. I don't know. I'm just saying being open-minded and being willing to maybe do things that you hadn't thought about doing before in any aspect of life is a good thing. Being up in mind is a good thing. And I'm saying this because I'm telling myself this as well. Everything I say in this podcast is also uh, for a reminder for myself on you know things that I've thought, things that I've experienced and ways that I want to live and keep living. And I love the idea of being open-minded, open to possibilities and doing different things just because what I'm doing right now doesn't have to be what I'm doing forever. And I think that's a good reminder for everybody and for myself included, just being open-minded. There you go. I'm done on that. I want to leave you with a quote now. I don't know who said this. It's on one of those cards on Pinterest. I wish I could figure out who to give credit to, but it's confusing to me anyway. 
it's one of these images and it says I, I, I had to do something child related because we were talking about being an au pair and what that life's like so here's the quote cleaning with children in the house is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos <laughs> thanks again I'll see you next time have a wonderful day cheers This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 